Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, and I am joined by the incredibly handsome Jake Colhagen. Jake, how are you doing today, my man? I, I continue every time we have a conversation to second guess your judgment based on some of your your analysis of me. But I I'm doing all right. It's uh it's Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week. It's been a weird week, but you know what makes every week better? Talking IDP, and especially talking IDP with the Evan Ronda of the IDP Game Theory. It is Wednesday, my dudes, said one of the greatest quotes of all time. Um, <laughs> among, among many incredible quotes. That actually, I'm curious, is Vine like a before your generation kind of thing? Like, <laughs> I caught the tail end of it, but I don't know... For people that are like ten years older than me or so, were you ever much into Vine? I was. I was familiar with it. It was not something I part. I don't. I don't do TikTok either. I'm Twitter and YouTube. Like that's it. So yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, just the kind of content the listeners came here for. So on today's episode, what we're doing is we are creating the all opportunity team, and so Jake and I are going to compete against each other and draft players. But here's the catch. These guys are stinky. They are stinky. They are smelly. We don't like them very much. Obviously not, actually. But they're they're players that have a relatively low market value. They're not known as supreme talents. But they project to get a lot of opportunity this year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try and draft the stinkiest guys we can that we think are going to score a lot of points. As we progress through the draft, the guys will probably get less and less stinky but obviously still have good opportunity. And then we'll just kind of compare our teams at the end, probably put it up on Twitter, let you guys vote on it, and we can see who's got the stinkiest team that should still score points. Maybe we can even uh, compare at the end of the season to see who who got the most points or something. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to like come up with the idea for how we're going to do this because it's like we don't want to cheat and just start drafting like Michael Parsons or something. <laughs> But also, I want to have a better team than you, but <laughs> but I, I want to stick to the theme of the show. That's why I wanted the final pick, right? So you could have all these guys, right? And then, I, yeah, on, on, pick, on pick 12, I'll be like, yeah, Nick Bolton, because Spagnuolo's defense, you know? like, And then I'll just win based on his production alone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is going to get off the rails real quick. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, So to start this thing off, so, yeah, we're, we're each going to get six players. We have no idea who we're taking here. We just, you know, we've got a list of potential candidates, and I'm just going to go and see what happens. <laughs> um, I'm going to have Siri flip a coin. We'll see who goes first, and we'll just get going. Yeah, I know you want the last pick. I'm not going to let you just get it. Come on, man. You think I trust you? Absolutely. I trust you with I my won't. life, but but still. Okay, uh, Jake, call heads or tails? Heads. All right, you have heads. Flip a coin, Siri. She says... It's tails. Let's go. I'm undefeated on IDP show podcasts when it comes to coin flips. Absolute skill. So I've got the first pick. And I want someone that is so stinky. Um, Man, this is so good. Oh, I forgot to mention, actually, before we get into this. um, At the end of this episode, we are going to do some listener questions. So we want to make sure that you guys stick around to the end of the show at the idpshow.com. If you guys are a subscriber there, you guys can leave some questions for future episodes. So if you want us to discuss your questions on the show, 
make sure you go and head over there and get your questions in. We have a couple really, really interesting questions. So we'll cover them at the end of the episode. And that stalling has given me enough time to decide that with my first pick, the stinkiest player award goes to Russ Yeast of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, as it stands right now, it looks like Russ Yeast and Jordan Fuller are the two starting safeties there. And I mean, his last name is Yeast. So talk about stinky. I, yeah, I just inappropriate yeast effect infection jokes abound at that <laughs> point. So um no, that's a that's a wonderful choice. I that's where I definitely was planning on going. That team is in full blown rebuild. I I can't imagine they're gonna spend anything on a less than premium position at safety like that right now. And yeah, it's it's, it's wide open for yeast season, so this episode is incredible already. I'm so excited to see where this goes with your second pick. Are you gonna Are you gonna stick with the same team, or we going somewhere I, else? What do you think? I think so. I think so. At this point, we got we gotta at least have that overlap because we're gonna get some some big uh, big stink going on here real fast. So looking at the Rams, Christian Roseboom. Now at this point, I'm guessing people are just thinking that we're making up random names or like this is like NCAA auto generated roster type stuff. But no, Christian Roseboom is the is the LB two currently um, on that depth chart behind Ernest Jones. Uh, we've seen you know they're running back the same defensive coordinator and Raheem Morris. We've seen Ernest Jones be viable as an LB two in terms of usage and and his performance. Now he's obviously a good linebacker. Where Christian Roseboom, I don't know that I can actively make that same statement. So this is just again, it's that it's that stink of this guy is going to play a lot of snaps potentially and. He will likely fall into some people carrying the football at some point um, to score us some IDP points. So, yes, linebacker Christian Roseboom, Los Angeles Rams. That's Roseboom, R-O-Z-E, too, just in case you're actually looking for them on your sleeper apps. Now that you actually, like, did all the good analysis, I have nothing left but to make fun of his last name again. But, but yeah, it's Ernest Jones and, and nobody. So, Roseboom... I feel like there's one other guy that he's potentially competing for for that number two spot, but I don't even remember his name. I'll have to pull up the depth chart and we can talk about this later, but he seems like he's the leader of the number two clubhouse there, but we can kind of keep our ears to the ground and watch some camp reports to see if he ends up with that role. But like he is almost certainly on waivers unless you're in leagues with John Macri or Jake Colhagen because like... Those guys, you're just a little bit too sharp. Um, yeah. Jake Jake Hummel is the only non-rookie um, that was that's on that roster currently, as, as far as I can tell, in the linebacker room. I still don't believe that you're not making up names. I mean, who are these guys? <laughs> a, a name that we might actually recognize is is going to be my next pick here. I wish I could just say like whoever starts at safety for the Packers. But I actually have to pick a guy. I don't know if I want to go with Rudy Ford or if I want to go with Jonathan Owens. Like, is Darnell Savin to lose his job again? I have no idea. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say Jonathan Owens. I know we have Rudy Ford here, but I don't even care, man. I'm going Jonathan Owens. He's got some return potential. So there's a lot of upside as far as if he ends up being one of the guys that they let be a punt returner or kick returner. But Jonathan Owens, actually was really efficient as a tackler on the Texans last year. Now, that's a pretty volatile statistic. It's probably going to regress, but 
who else is there in that safety room? I mean, they didn't bring back Adrian Amos. I don't really believe Darnell Savage is something special. Rudy Ford is a backup. And, you know, he might be a backup get that gets elevated into a starting position. But as it stands, Jonathan Owens could be a starter there. And he could score points. That's all I really care about right now. <laughs> well, the one I, I like I like it. It's stinky. I just I don't know if it has enough stink because Keyshawn Nixon was an all pro returner last year. So I think that was in the kick return game. So he's got that locked down. But so maybe he does get some of that punt return work. But we'll we'll see. Rudy Ford uh, played some good snaps last year in that defense and good snaps in terms of numbers, not necessarily performance. Uh, so he might have the leg up on it, but we'll see. We'll see how, uh, how stinky Owens gets for you. Um, all right. Who does that bring me to? Oh gosh. All right. I, this is probably what the only time it makes sense to do this. I'm going to go, uh, with a Bill Belichick defense and I'm going to go with new England Patriots linebacker, Jelani Tavi. Um, the biggest problem with this, besides the fact that it's a Bill Belichick-led defense, is it's a Bill Belichick-led defense. Uh, so he's, I just, they, they run some of the most dime-heavy looks New England does out of all teams in the NFL. I think it might actually be the most. So that one linebacker usage, he's not getting ahead of Jawan Bentley at this time without injury. And Tavi is someone that he had modest usage last year. But even in that, with the rotation and, and the and the personnel usage that they that they ran out and will presumably run out most likely again, especially with some of the draft picks that they made, like a Marty Mapu, um, who hashtag spoiler alert might be talked about later. Um, I, I just I just don't see him getting significant usage. But you know, in those deeper leagues where you got to roll out a, a fourth or fifth linebacker, this is a this is a guy that might be worth taking a look at. Don't see- yeah I. I don't like Patriots defenders unless their name's like Matthew Judon or something. So I don't have much to add there. Jelani Tavai, I'm going to disagree with you on how to pronounce his last name because I oh, okay. Tavai. That's my analysis. Um, I'm probably being a little less stinky. No, I've got one more potentially stinky guy before I get into some less stinky dudes. Keanu Neal, the starting safety for the Steelers, question mark? <laughs> I still have no idea if it's going to be him or somebody else, but uh, Terrell Edmonds is gone. He went to the Eagles. They brought in Keanu Neal. Is he the guy? He's kind of fallen off since his glory days of, did he ever really have a glory days? Like, do we consider his time with the Falcons of glory days, or was he just a guy that never quite was? I don't really know, but he's a defensive, or sorry, he's a linebacker safety eligible on sleeper. He's been used a lot more in the box, so he should have good usage. But I really have no idea if he's going to be that talented of a player. I don't expect some sort of career revival in Pittsburgh. I mean, they're just bringing in a bunch of old dudes. I mean, Patrick Peterson, like, come on now. They just had um, Quan Alexander, I think, in for an interview, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see what he can do in Pittsburgh. I'm not optimistic. That's why he's stinky. But will he score points for fantasy? That's what we're interested in. I mean, if you throw back to when he came into the league, his first two years, you're talking 120 plus tackles back to back season. Um, I mean, the the guy he he was legit back then, right? Then he had some injury plague seasons back to back in 18 and 19. Uh, came back, got a full complement of snaps, and put up 100 tackles. I mean, so if he has you know even 80 percent of what what he once was at some point, I mean, he could definitely be relevant there. Um, 
yeah, I don't know, man. That that uh, that aroma's pretty rough on him. I that's a pretty good stinky pick. Thank you. I try to be the stinkiest I can be. All right, ah, oh, man, you got me here now. Now I'm gonna. You might have to take someone actually intriguing now. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go this route, and we'll see how we'll see how the fans react to this one. I guess so. I'm gonna go with defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons and probably more defensive interior technically, but I think he classifies on the depth chart as a defensive end. Uh, Calais Campbell. So was about six years ago that this gentleman was defensive player of the year nominee. And I believe, I believe he won it for, for that season as well with the Jaguars when they made their push into the playoffs. Um, he has kind of faded off recently, but he still showed the ability to be relevant in terms of someone who can get, you know, decent production on the field. He had six sacks over just 600 snaps, so a little low in terms of utilization. But what I like about him is I think that in a deeper league where you got to start maybe a second required defensive tackle um, or, you know, if you're looking, hey, I I need some plug-and-play on on my line uh, midseason due to injuries, whatever it is, I think this is someone who can actually give us uh, that type of worthy performance. And I really like him because I love – Ryan Nielsen coming there from, uh, help me out here, New Orleans Saints. I He led that defense to be one of the best fronts over that entire time he was a part of it, whether it was defensive line coach, assistant defensive coordinator, co- defensive coordinator, all those different things, right? Um, he always delivered a really strong pass rush there. And I think having that, Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, you know, they got some, you know, got Lorenzo Carter, you know, uh, who did it? Uh, D'Angelo Malone, Arnold Abichetti. They've invested a lot into this into this front. Um, you know, Caden Ellis, even if you want to throw it out there. So I think it's going to be a bit revamped. The usage will not be ideal, but I think you'll find a way to be effective with that. And so that less than ideal utilization, age, uh, fading of him, I think makes him stinky, but I think he can still be relevant for us uh, this season. Yeah, man, he has just continued to score points in spite of his age. I think it's really impressive. The The Falcons have had a really, really terrible defensive line for so oh, yeah. long. Like historically bad. Yeah. I'm excited to see what they look like this season. I mean, they're not going to be like top of the league. They're not going to be the Eagles or the Commanders or anything, but they should look a lot better. And I'm kind of optimistic that some of the guys on that defensive line can be a little more efficient now that they have invested a little more and, and are going to need to be respected on the interior. Great to Jarrett, man. Maybe he's uh he he could be legit. I remember that there, there was a time when he was talking about as like the number two defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald. So we'll see if he can kind of restore to that former glory. Uh, I have a, a trivia question for our listeners here. Obviously, they can't like talk to us as they're listening to the episode. But quiz for you, without looking anything up, behind Divine Diablo, who is the linebacker two for the Las Vegas Raiders. It is Steelers legend Robert Spillane. So if you've been if you've been in the streets drafting with us, uh, you probably recognize the name because he's always getting drafted. But Robert Spillane, yeah, he joined the Raiders. He's the number two linebacker there. Jayon Brown is gone. Denzel Perryman is gone. If you actually believe in, I almost said Blake Masters. Shout out Blake Masters. Uh, what's his name? Blake Masterson, the linebacker Luke. too. Luke Masterson, mm. Luke Masterson, playoff uh, fantasy legend last year, man, racked up like 40 tackles. In Absolute legend. Time, so, 
<laughs> don't ask me who that other guy is. Uh, if you don't know, you don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, Robert Spillane, man, he's he's gonna get good usage. He's been a sound tackler. Uh, oh geez, remember his tackle on Derrick Henry at the goal line that like literally got him injured but saved the Steelers that game. Absolutely legendary. If you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google Robert Spillane Derrick Henry goal line tackle and just watch that on replay. Let that pump you up as you like go to the gym to lift some weights. Man, that was inspiring. But uh, this is top tier analysis right here. This is simply a volume play. This is an opportunity play. That is literally what this podcast is for. And uh, he's going to get some opportunities to score you points. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna go back to a team that we've talked to already, uh, and especially a position you love. You always love talking defensive backs. Um, I'm pretty sure that was why you went with two of them right away, because you just despise defensive backs, and any chance you can disparage them, you take. Um, but I don't think that's appropriate, especially when we start talking about nickelbacks or slot corners. Um, and Keyshawn Nixon of the Green Bay Packers, uh, I know maybe it's hard to say, hey, he was an all-pro last year, so how is it you know, fair to say he's stinky? Well, he didn't really exactly lock down the slot role last year, at least not till the end of the season with some injuries. He really stepped into that that role. Um, they did not resign uh, the, the former uh, incumbent to the position, leaving it wide open for Nixon. Uh, and, and the key thing here is to really call out, um, if you're not playing with return yardage as part of your scoring, I highly recommend it because I am of the mindset of anything that happens on an NFL football field, we should be trying to add into the game of fantasy football one way or another. Um, and so with that, having that return yardage is obviously a huge boost for him, um, not even necessarily from the big play upside of it, which does exist, but just the fact that if, hey, the Packers are, you know, giving up two, three scores a game, and you're talking about this guy getting a shot to, to get, you know, 75 to 100 yards added in into a scoring from for returns perspective with the starting slot corner role to boot, which is one of the more valuable defensive back positions, I think Nixon's someone that uh, that I'm willing to vote for, at least, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, that is. I have a that pop a, quiz for you. That was a reference to a former president, Nixon, if you didn't get the mm. reference. We are popping off with the political jokes today. You don't even know <laughs> that the previous one was a political joke, which was what makes it so great. Um, all right, pop quiz for you. I want you to guess, according to Best Ball ADP, yep. of all DBs, where is Keyshawn Nixon going? He is... DB 43. Okay, you're close. All right. He's going later than that. So I'll give you one more guess. DB 54. Okay, actually pretty close. DB 60. Oh, okay. So So I feel like that qualifies him as stinky enough that he can make this list. See? I know what I'm talking about. Heck yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Why do you get to be green on the sheet and I have to be red on the sheet? You're like making me the bad guy. Is that how this works? Yeah, and it's Christmas though too, right? Then it's we're, we're like Christmas in May. There yeah. that's a thing, I think. I think they do that in Australia, right? That's how that works. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to us, our Australian listeners. I know that's not how they do it. I'm pretty sure they just like, it's it's Christmas, but it's in the summer, and they all wear like swimsuits and stuff because the Southern Hemisphere their seasons are swapped around. Anyways, you're probably right. I just remember the Simpsons. The to- the toilets like went the other way, so that's like that's what I remember about Australia. Oh, my your gosh. pick. Okay, I'm I'm getting significantly less stinky with these last three because 
I understand not all of you guys are as much of a degenerate as we are, and so your leagues might not be as deep as ours. So I'm going to pick the stinkiest of the not-so-stinky guys. I'm going to draft linebacker for the Cleveland Browns, Anthony Walker, um, because I, I just talked about him like literally this week on the IDP After Show, but he is kind of sort of the incumbent there. He was the green dot last year. He kind of was the reason that JOK wasn't on the field as much as rookie year. And Anthony Walker started off as the snap leader for the team before he got injured at the start of the season. Now, that position was an absolute mess for the team last year. It was so difficult to predict. But they have a new defensive coordinator. They chose to bring back Anthony Walker. And I have to imagine that that means they'll believe he's going to be on the field. Will he remain the green dot? I don't know. It seems likely, at least that there's a good chance he is. And because he's on the field, that means he's going to score points. So that is why I am drafting him to my team of stinkies. Is that is that your official team name, the team of stinkies? I don't. We're working on the trademark and the logo. Uh, hit us up in the comments. But uh, yes, I think I think we're going to roll forward with this. You seem so emphatic about that, so I just I had to know. Um, oh gosh, all right, I, you got me really in a in a weird spot here, where I'm like, I know who I want to say, but then I'm like, do I just want to get really gross right now with some of the names on this list? Uh, no, you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm gonna go with edge rusher Charles Amenahu. Uh, so he was a free agent acquisition this year. Uh, they signed him to a two year, twenty million dollar deal. Uh, most of it guaranteed right up front here in the first year. So I, I don't know that he's necessarily a lock for you know two years of value, but really we're just looking at, at this year, right, and who can get us some points right now, um, fill out those rosters, or just you know be, be that depth piece that we need uh, overall. But Frank Clark gone. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this line, especially Chris Jones had an amazing year last year, and I don't know that you know he's uh, trending downward anytime soon. Uh, George Karloftis showed that he can be um, a real force on that line too. One of the better uh, press, pressure numbers for a rookie we've seen in the past few years. All that said, that's going to leave a Menehu, someone who's had the chance to, you know, be coached up by some of the better coaching in defensive coaching in San Francisco prior to this, and comes to a, a very um, tenured defense under Steve, Steve Spagnola. I just I think it's a good setup for him, and I see him just in that other edge rusher on the outside opposite Karloftis and getting plenty of snaps, you know, seven, seven fifty, eight hundred snaps, and the opportunities will be there to, to make something out of it. So Charles Amenahu, not quite as stinky, but good enough for me. Yeah, I think we're trending in the right direction here too. His ADP might actually start to fall a little bit since they added Felix and Yudike Uzoma in the draft, but I think FAU's probably going to be more of a long-term play, yep. whereas... I really think Omenihu can can be a, an immediate producer for this team, and and I really like that call. Actually, I think it's a perfect combination of stinky, but you know, really really good opportunity. Um, I it's funny because there's like three guys that I'm choosing between, but I'm realizing that like all three of them I just talked about on the after show podcast, and so I want to diversify, but also this they, is it. This they is fit one of the teams so well. This is this is pick. A six for you. This is the last one. Wait, really? Already? Yeah. I thought this was five. One, two. Okay, I have I have Robert Spillane, Jonathan Owens, Russ Yeast, 
Anthony Walker, Keanu Neal. Wow. We might have to go a couple more rounds. What do you say? Can we can we go like seven or eight rounds? We we can. We can do that. Okay, great. Because there's there's a lot more guys I want to get to. I want to get to some actually guys that might smell pretty nice. So um, in order to get there, we needed a couple more picks. So I, I think I am going to go with a guy that I talked about earlier this week with my guy, Elandon Roberts, linebacker for the Steelers. I guess it's time, right? We were finally getting into the guys that are actually kind of decent. The reason that Alandon Roberts is sort of stinky is because his ADP is just so low, his market value is so low, and historically he hasn't been that exciting of an asset. I don't think, if you approached somebody and said, hey man, I want to trade for Alandon Roberts, I don't think anybody's going to be like, nah man, he's off limits. I can't move him. He's 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 uh, just an absolute locked in on my roster. He's no Justin Jefferson, you know? So... Well, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend like trading for any linebackers necessarily, especially Landon Roberts if you have to pay up for him. But if he's on your waivers or if you can just kind of sneak him into a trade as a throw in piece, he's going to produce this year. He's, he's the number two in the linebacker room behind Cole Holcomb right now. And while they don't necessarily use their number two a huge amount, he's going to see the field a lot. They don't really have anybody else there to compete outside of Holcomb. And so I'm really confident that he's going to be on the field for a very, very significant portion of snaps. Yeah, I I like it. I mean, you talked about Neil, right? He could he could see some maybe cutting into the boxer if they if they use him that way because it's how he's been used in the past. But I don't know that that's necessarily um, fully his game anymore. So no, it's a uh, it's it's the right amount of stink. I like it. I just realized I've I talked about three current or former Steelers so far on this podcast. So uh, just stick around to the end of the episode. I'll tell you guys to draft, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick or TJ Watt or something. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, well, moving on, I am going to take a look at one Nicholas Morrow, Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles linebacker. Uh, to me, I think the biggest reason that there's quote-unquote stink to this is some people don't even fully realize he's there because the Nicobe Dean hype is just through the roof. Um, you know, that said, uh, you look at what Nicholas Morrow did last year, went to, you know, the Bears, uh, took over as the play caller, the green dot wear, while Roquan was there. He, you know, he did it. Morrow did it from week one to week 17, right, wire to wire. And, you know, Jack Sanborn was amazing, but Morrow was the guy calling the plays. That's who the coaches trusted to get everyone set. Now, Dean was here last year. You know, there is a little bit of a shakeup with Gannon leaving. Um, I believe that the, the Eagles did hire from within, though, for their the defensive coordinator spot, or maybe not. I'll have to verify that. Regardless, there's going to be some slight changes, so it's not a guarantee that Dean just walks in and takes over right away. Um, obviously, the path is clearly there, but it's I don't, I don't think that we can just count out Nicholas Morrow. In worst case... If he isn't the guy um, and he's just number two, Kaiser White last season was a 75% snap guy in that defense. And that's still very, very viable um, in terms of, you know, some of these linebackers that we're talking about. These are guys that, you know, okay, maybe they can get us to, you know, 800 snaps, 850 snaps. And we have to be okay with that if, if we're looking at adding these kind of guys to our roster for whatever reason it is, depth pieces, um, you're starting that many guys or injuries, whatever have you. But, it's, yeah, he's, he's got, again, just en- enough stink that you're like, really? 
you you want this guy but i think the path where he could be relevant and maybe even more than just relevant exists so yeah i'm going to i'm going to take my shots on nick morrow yeah dude nick morrow is the kind of player that wins you fantasy leagues because he's so inexpensive his return on investment is almost certainly going to be so high like obviously yeah there's linebackers that are spendy you know you could get a roquan smith he's going to be great for your team but the opportunity cost in acquiring Roquan Smith is significantly greater than the opportunity cost in acquiring a guy like Nick Morrow. Now, obviously, he's not going to produce as much as Roquan Smith, but he's going to produce a lot of points. Go get this guy. Like, come on. Um, and I, so I love... I, yeah. I got I to cut you off. Sorry. So it's Sean Desai is who they brought in as defensive coordinator who, was, who came over from Seattle. So it is potentially, you know, a coaching change that's significant. Language changes in the defense, possibly schemes, those things, which to me lends itself to a veteran being able to be more stable in that in that situation. So just another reason for Nick Morrow. I hear you. There's like three guys left that I really, really want to take, and I have two more picks. So I'm going to have to make some tough choices. Um, Man, I, I already talked about this guy earlier this week. All right, how about this? If you want to hear about some stinky guys that I really like, and I'm not talking about on today's episode, go listen to the IDP After Show from earlier this week where we did some keep trade cuts for some relatively stinky players. So I'm going to skip them, and I'm going to move on to some guys that are actually really intriguing. I'll save my final pick for like the actually really, really, really nice-smelling individual. But for now, since we're talking about current and former Eagles linebackers, let's talk about Kaiser White. Since you just discussed him, he's the current linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you might be asking me, well, sir, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, who, by the way, for those of you listening, Jake and I are both sporting very exciting signed Zayvon Collins jerseys behind us on the wall because we are hashtag Zayvon season stands. And uh, yeah, but he's he's getting work in on the edge. Isaiah Simmons is like weird because uh, he's weird. And so the, the real question is, elite analysis he's he's kind of an overhang guy Simmons is we don't really know where he's going to play but there is almost certainly an opening in the middle linebacker spot for a linebacker to play a lot of work or to play a lot of snaps and and new Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon is the former Eagles defensive coordinator he brought Kaiser White over with him from that defense and I have to expect Kaiser White has a really good chance to play the green dot. I know we were talking about this before the episode. Is it going to be Zayvon Collins? Is it going to be Kaiser White? I'm not going to guarantee that it's Kaiser White, but I have a really strong feeling it will be him simply because he's more familiar with this defense. And if that's the case, man, he's going to see so many snaps and he's going so late in these best ball drafts. His dynasty value is probably super low. So I see him as a really, really nice opportunity play. And he's really not that stinky either. No, he, he's really not, and uh, I, I love him. And, and I was I was actually not as keen on him maybe being the play caller, but again, we talked about that and the realization that they brought over Jonathan Gannon as well as, and I forget who their defensive coordinator is, um, but it's going to bug me, Nick Rollis. So coming from the, that same scheme or that same same coaching tree with, with Gannon, there's, yeah, there's a strong chance that just having that knowledge is going to carry over and yeah, they just want to utilize Collins and Simmons in different ways. So it, now's the time to do that, right? The, the stink is there now because of the uncertainty. But once the you know the OTAs and training camps, all that stuff starts hitting, and we get more and more news to work with, um, 
that's not the stink's going to start to fade away right a little bit of deodorant maybe some axe body spray i don't know is that still a thing that was a thing when i was in college so you know can i tell a story really quick <laughs> you absolutely can just okay i know he's not listening to this so he's not going to care but my roommate in college man um instead of taking out the trash it would start to smell really bad, obviously, because he, he ate disgusting food and then he put it in the trash can and it would just sit there and smell, smell up our entire dorm room and it would smell so bad. We'd be like, hey, man, like you should probably empty your trash can. He'd be like, I don't have time. So guess what this man did? He grabbed a can of Axe body spray and he said, Axe bomb. And he would, he would spray the trash can with his Axe body spray so that it would stop smelling bad. Um... I'm trying to find like a fantasy football tie-in for this. Um, Jonathan Gannon is going to come in and axe bomb the Cardinals defense and make them better. But like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> finger guns. <laughs> this is such quality content. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I this is it. I, I got I, so axe bombs when I was in college was you would buy the axe can, you would get tape, and you would like start taping it over the top and then you'd like pull it all the way down and rip the tape so that it would just keep spraying and then you would like throw it into someone's dorm room and pull the thing shut so then the axe body spray would just spin around in a circle and then just overly erase that entire existence of that room with axe spray so which is maybe what some of these players need is an axe bomb to get that back into our good graces so (laughs) with that i'm up right this is my turn you nailed it with kaiseroid yeah, yeah, yeah. You have this pick and then your next pick. Just keep in mind, my last pick's going to be like a kind of sort of solid player. So pace yourself. And I'm I'm jumping the gun already, and this is what's great about having the, the last pick, right? Like I can game the system, which is like Evan's favorite thing to do, so I'm doing it to him. Um, so Leonard Williams, uh, he was a former top overall draft pick for the New York Jets. Um, was he like three, number three overall or something in 2016 or something like that? Do you think I remember these things, man? I didn't even care about football in 2016. You probably weren't even born yet. Um, <laughs> but no, so, I mean, and he came in for the Jets. He had like a 13 sack season just a few years ago, but now he's on this defensive front that has, you know, a higher draft pick than Aziz Oshalari a couple of years back, a high second rounder who flashed at times. It's got Dexter Lawrence, who's come in and just dominated the interior of that defense and, and made a huge name for himself among in, the interior defenders in the NFL. Kayvon Thibodeau was a high draft pick, um, you know, just last, uh, the pre- not this last draft season, but the previous. Um, had the huge sack fumble against the, the commanders, kind of that coming out party. So people forget that Leonard Williams is even a guy on this line at times, potentially, right? And I had to, I had to cheat and look, but he's going as DL55 right now in best balls. So you're talking about this guy is a, is a low-end defensive line four. That's a guy who's consistently played 800 snaps, consistently getting you know 40 to 50 pressures. He's had highs of 60-plus pressures in a season. The guy's still really good, and he's playing with a bunch of other guys who are really good. He's likely to still give us production. So the stink maybe isn't there. Maybe you know, it was from when he struggled with the Jets and came over but he's really reestablished himself as the Giants and I think he's just that forgotten piece in a front four that's really talented and so with that you can use some of that forgetfulness slash stinkiness of him to I think find some really good value with Leonard Williams I love Leonard Williams as a value he's so productive I don't remember was he the one that was kind of injured last year 
I, I hate to drop this on you without you actually remembering. I remember Lachalari got hurt quite a bit last year. I don't. Yeah, remember. man. Which, strangely enough, by the way, is Isu Jolari. I have a strangely high exposure to him in these best ball drafts. Like, I have an addiction to, like, drafting him in the sixth round, like, every single time. I don't really know why that is. I guess I just really like his upside. But Leonard Williams, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he missed a couple games last year. Like, one, two, three, four, five, five and a half, six and a half games, seven and a half games. But every single time that he played, like, he put up, for the most part, really, really big points. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, he's he's exciting. He's not that stinky. So, uh, you got a head start on me on the non-stinkiness. But my last yeah, really? guy, I think he just got axe-bombed, but in a good way, because Zadarius Smith is no longer a part of the team, leaving Marcus Davenport to be the new starting defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. So, disclaimer. The Vikings hired Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator. So I can't exactly copy-paste Zadarius Smith's usage last year over to this year. But I'm going to do it anyways, because what the heck, dude? <laughs> like, I'm so excited for him. I've been reaching him, uh, reaching for him on all these best ball drafts. I am totally bought in on Marcus Davenport as a huge value as it stands. I, I still think you can buy high on him. Whoever the Marcus Davenport manager is, they're probably like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to get some trade offers now. I don't even care. Like, go pay up for him because he just got a new contract with the team. I think he's really talented. I think he's kind of underrated right now. And I think he's going to get a ton of really, really valuable opportunity on this defensive line. He's going to get sacks, dude. He's going to get tackles. He's going to get so many snaps. I really think he's a kind of a player that can round out like a a DL2, DL3 spot on your team and and be, like, incredibly productive at a price tag that's honestly pretty respectable. I like it. I was I was a big Davenport fan. Um, I think year two, end of year two, he really had a nice push for the second half of that season. It was his sophomore year. Um, and then things just never really sustained or leveled off. In fact, it kind of went back the other way. But, um, no, I'm with you. I He's got some stink from that. He was a high draft pick. He, he never lived up to it in New Orleans, uh, like I said. And I think this is a good spot for him to try and reset that. So one-year prove-it deal with some talent, a little bit of talent on the line with him. Let's ride. Let's ride. A little bit of rust there for you. Uh, I think then I'm going to take this one and because I felt bad about kind of cheating the system a little bit there with my <laughs> last pick. Uh, but... There's, there's an injury that usually the the stink of an injury is bad, you know, for, for a given player. But in this case, I think people are less concerned about an injury than they should be, and it should give more credence to this player, and that is Devin Bush of the Seattle Seahawks linebacker. And the re- injury I'm referencing is Jordan Brooks, the other linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. Bobby Wagner coming back home, clearly LB1 in that room. Now, everyone thinks back to when those two were together. You know, Jordan Brooks was still extremely relevant as a linebacker. Those two played a ton of snaps together, zone-heavy scheme. You know, they they both were very, very IDP relevant. While Jordan Brooks was someone who, in his last couple seasons, has struggled a little bit in terms of his NFL production, um, specifically his P, PFF grades. And not only that, but the actual injury itself. So I consider myself a little bit of an injury nerd. Not that I actually understand the actual, you know, 
wording and what they all mean, but I just, I look for the outcomes of, of those studies and what they mean in terms of, you know, layman's terms for us to understand. And essentially, linebackers are the third most injured position when it comes to ACL injuries, and they experience roughly about uh, a 12-month uh, time, time frame for that, plus or minus two months, I believe, was the, the variance they saw. Because it's such a highly injured position for that type of injury, there's plenty of data, and it was done over a very significant time frame of five years. Now, it was 2013 to 2018. So, yes, medical technology advances, but that also gives us enough of a time frame after the return of the injury to say, okay, does it, do these guys really return their value right away coming off these injuries? And they don't. They, they don't. They just The value of them drops significantly year one from that injury plus the time frame to come back. I just don't see Jordan Brooks jumping in and being relevant. Now, someone like Devin Bush, who has the stink of this guy was a first-round pick, you know, he flashed year one, he suffered an ACL injury, and he was not the same right away, and his production didn't deliver in year three and four after this injury. Now he's had a chance to recover more. He's got a new landing spot, playing alongside a veteran who can help build him up. I believe Devin Bush is someone who is an extreme value, and that stink that you smell in him might just be Jordan Brooks next to him rubbing off a little bit because I'm not I'm not buying any of that Jordan Brooks. If I'm taking anything, I'm taking Devin Bush in this locker room for the for the linebacker for the Seahawks. Oh yeah, we gotta love more former Steelers linebackers. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I'll also add, dude, Jordan Brooks, like he didn't get surgery for his ACL until January or something. Those reports saying him being ready for the start of training camp or like for the start of the preseason. Heck no. There is no way. I just don't believe that's happening. Unless they have Lesis, Dr. Lesis over there with his new ACL uh, recovery technology that he's working on. Unless he's the guy that they have in charge of this, I just don't believe Devin Bush, or sorry, not Devin Bush, uh, Jordan Brooks. There's, I just don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Like, no hate to him. That would be great oh. if he was. Good for, you know, Javante Williams too. I want my boy Javante back and healthy. But right, just as it stands, the data says, it takes this long to recover, and you really cannot, you can't accelerate that process too much. Otherwise, you're just going to make yourself more injury, I guess, injury prone down the road too. So there's still plenty of guys on this list that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Oh, well, just ask us questions. If you guys want to know some more stinky values that you guys can get late in drafts, I mean, there's, there's some really good guys on here. We'll have to we'll have to do a little Q and A session sometime to to really break down some more of these guys. But speaking of a Q and A session, segues. Yes, sir, dude. Look at us go. <laughs> we are elite at transitions. Uh, we're gonna get into our Q and A session. So a thread was posted to the idpshow.com, prompting for questions for this episode. We got a lot of great questions, and we're gonna talk about them. If you want. Your questions to get answered on the next episode, you know where to find it, theidpshow.com. So, the first question of the episode comes from the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Harms. He wants us to keep trade cut two different sets of three players. Now, thankfully, we have actually talked about a couple of these guys recently, but our first group of three is Denzel Perryman, Kaiser White, and Aziz Alshair. And I'm glad you and I actually agree on this keep trade cut. So I'm going to let you take this one and kind of explain the reasoning for why we would keep trade or cut them. All right. So keep is Alshair hands down. He's in a position, he's, in my opinion, the clear lead 
linebacker in that room. Um, they love dime personnel in Tennessee too. Not as much as New England, but he should by far and away lead that room. Um, your trade is Kaiser White, and he's got some name cachet. Um, he was relevant last year. He's in a system where he's relevant again. Again, you know, maybe there's not as much, so you might have to wait to see some of the production before you can trade him. But uh, and then Perriman is a cut. That's just that's you want to talk about a dirty, ambiguous linebacker room. I mean, sure, if you want to call your shot because you think you can get supreme value out of it, totally understand that there. But for me, in this group, he's clearly the cut because there's no clear path for him. That actually, Christian Kirksey's still on the team. Like I kind of expected him yep. to be gone by now. If you had to, if you had to today, choose between Christian Kirksey and Denzel Perryman to be the other starting linebacker next to, to Christian Harris, who would you call your shot on? Perryman. Okay. So there's at least some hope for him. I oh, for sure, but I it's still yeah. too dirty for me to be excited about any of that. So Yeah. The the fact that we're asking this question, him versus Christian Kirksey, already says why he's the cut versus Kaiser White and his ease all shire. Okay. Our next one has some guys that are a little bit more interesting with Cole Holcomb of the Steelers, David Long of the Dolphins, and Drew Tranquil of the Chiefs. I'm gonna handle this one because I know we agree on this. Drew Tranquil is definitely the cut. Yep. The reason for that is because Nick Bolton and Willie Gay and our boy Leo Chanel, Mr. Uh, pull-ups on the side of a van or whatever. What was that? Bus. Like tour bus? Dude, that was sick. Go Google that video, you guys. Come on now. Get on it. It's sick. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you are missing out. But Drew Tranquil is the cut. It's a really crowded room. Steve Spagnolo does not give a lot of volume to linebackers, with the exception of perhaps Nick Bolton. So Tranquil is the guy that that we'd be cutting here. David Long and Cole Holcomb are both intriguing because they both have a good chance to be 100% snap players. But I have a lot more faith in Cole Holcomb absolutely locking up that role versus David Long, who there's a lot of guys there. Like, And I'm not just talking about the linebacker room. I'm talking on the defensive line and the secondary. I don't really know how they're going to use all of these players, they have the ability to be really flexible on this defense with their new defensive coordinator. Uh, Jayon Brown, not Jayon Brown. Who's the other linebacker there? I'm so close. It's, uh, I'll have to look it up later. Which room? Which In Miami. Library? Channing Tindall? Yeah, above him. Uh, man, I should have looked this up ahead of time. I got it. You, you finish up. I got you. All right, sick. This is elite, elite content right here. See, now I really want to look it up. Jerome Baker. Yep. See, I knew it was a JB. We had a Justin Bieber somewhere on here. I just couldn't remember what it was. Jonas Brothers? I can keep going. We can do this all day. Uh, oh, man. Hey, they just came out with a new album, by the way. So if you want some summer vibes, go check that out. <laughs> this is an amazing episode. Uh, Cole Holcomb's our keep. Yes? I think we could yes. agree on that. Yep. Great. Okay. Do you want to take which means we, we trade we trade David Long if we didn't clarify that then? Yes. So. Yeah. We would trade David Long. I do like David Long though. Don't get me wrong, but not as much as Cole Holcomb. Him and his mullet. All right. Yeah. Next we had uh, Shaq. So he was asking, who are your favorite IDP rookie dart throws for a seven round rookie draft? Super flex, tight end, premium IDP. Like it's easy to toss out names, but who are a couple we're looking to leave our drafts with? If you have late picks in a draft like this, starting 11, defensive tackle and cornerback required, balanced scoring, all positions matter and are worth consideration. So 
who are the guys you're trying to target in round six and round seven? So I'm going to start with the higher ADP guys because those are the guys that I'm more likely to absolutely try to leave the drafts with. And I got to start off with my guy, Sidney Brown. He landed with the Eagles. He's probably going to be a strong safety. Uh, he's built like the kind of a guy that you want to be one of your starting safeties. He's probably more of like a fourth, fifth rounder-ish, depending on how sharp your league is. I've gotten him in sixth round before, so, you know, never say never. There's another JB reference for you. But <laughs> uh, but if you can get him later, that would be great. There are some other DBs that I also like. Uh, Jair Brown, Jartavius Martin. Jair Brown landed with the 49ers. He's also built like a freaking truck tackling machine. Will he start? I don't know. Uh, there's a chance that he could, but it's probably going to take a little bit for him to get into the starting role. But a guy that will start is uh, Jartavius Martin as the probably nickel corner for the Washington Commanders, kind of taking over that Bobby McCain role. He's a guy I've drafted every single draft. I've even picked him up in these best ball drafts, even the shallower best ball drafts, because I'm so confident in him just starting off with a full-time starting role. Am I a little too optimistic? Maybe. But if you want to draft a guy later in these rookie drafts that's going to have production out the gate, Man, get these guys. DBs always go late here, and that's a really great place to get some value. But, Jake, who are some guys that you really like late? So I'm, I'm going to get a, a little bit dirtier. Um, you know, Ooh. Ivan Pace Jr. was an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's one that maybe I'm not using my seventh round on. Maybe I am, kind of depending on how my, my, my roster construction is made up a little bit. But if not that, I'm definitely taking shots on him, uh, you know, on the waiver wire after the fact. That's that's a guy that on film I just loved pre-draft process, really disappointed. Um, he didn't land higher draft capital to kind of secure him for a week one spot. Uh, Mike Morris, uh, defensive end for Seattle. A uh, lot, lot of talent in terms of like Uchenna Nuosu already there. Um, they drafted Derek Hall high. So Mike Morris kind of gets slotted in behind that. And there's, you know, there's several Darrell Taylor. Um, has had some success there. So he kind of gets uh, forgotten about maybe there. He was, I think, a fifth-round pick in the NFL draft. But that's a guy who had like a 17% pass rush pressure rate um, his last year in Michigan. And the guy can, guy can flat-out play at times. So um, he's another one to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I had one other one on my list here. Oh, Andre Carter, um, another undrafted free agent. Um, landed with uh, Minnesota. And again, we talked about Marcus Davenport kind of being the guy this year. Uh, Carter's just another one, right, where you got that seventh-round pick where maybe you don't use it on him, maybe you do, or you're at least looking for him on your waivers after the fact because these are these UDFAs that I think have proven enough in college that they can find a way to um, make themselves valuable to a roster one way or another. And you know, at that point, then it's all about opportunity like we're talking about in this podcast. Um, so the, those are a couple of them that I'm, I'm kind of looking at. Oh, and uh, J.L. Skinner to the Broncos, uh, safety from Boise State. I think he went in the sixth round. He was just a guy that he had a torn pec, so he missed a lot of the offseason workout stuff, wasn't able to really put himself out there. But I, I love the size and athleticism he has in today's NFL to try to play that you know that big nickel type of position, um, third safety, and he could, I think, easily slot into that type of role for the Broncos defense early on. Yeah, I shouldn't say early on. Maybe by halfway through this season, you might get a shot at that, depending on how the peck's recovering. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy. Those are some of the guys that I'm really looking for um, in that late late, late sixth, seventh round dart throw. 
Yeah, man. And, and going even deeper, I mean, if I can leave my drafts with Will Anderson, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try and get that. Um, some other, some other defensive lineman, not Will Anderson. He's he's probably going in the first round of your rookie drafts. Um, but more like second year options, KJ Henry, edge rusher for the Commanders, or Servassier Dennis, the linebacker for the Buccaneers. Those are players that have a chance to be elevated into a starting role in year two because I don't think that the commanders can keep Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to keep Devin White and Levante David. So both of those guys are guys that could be elevated in year two. But a year one guy, Owen Papoe, for the uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know if he's going to have that linebacker two spot like we talked about earlier, Zayvon Collins might be an edge. He might be an inside linebacker. We don't really know what they're going to do with Isaiah Simmons. But if there is a chance, a small one, but there is a chance that Zayvon Collins is a pure edge, Isaiah Simmons is a pure nickel, which leaves Owen Papoe to be the other linebacker next next to Kazir White, which could be interesting. I don't really think it's going to happen, but there is at least a chance. Yep, you're there. I know you're there. I'm there with you. One I want to throw out, I, I read the question and didn't fully process, right? So you said DT required as well. So some of those other DTs, it was it was actually a really deep defensive tackle class too, I feel like, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at like Zach Pickens, Gervin Dexter, um, and Keanu Benton. You know, we talked a lot about the Steelers, so why not bring them up again? You know, uh, Dexter and um, Pickens both have chances to carve out playing times on that defensive line for the Bears that was pretty devoid of talent overall, so they could easily um, find a way to relevance right away. I'd probably lean Pickens um, for IDP value potentially um, out of those ones, but Keanu Benton, um, I've heard some people that I really, really appreciate their analysis and scouting um, talk about, actually reminded them a lot of Cam Hayward, right? So, you know, that whole Steelers connection continues, but, uh, and as a Wisconsin uh, fan myself he was someone that I just I really appreciated watching and I think uh, again same thing if you got that DT required this is a great guy to stash maybe for a year and I think could be very relevant IDP defensive tackle required position player Cam Hayward is immortal he will never retire uh, but talking of other defensive tackles our next question here comes from Kai he says hi guys I'm in a dynasty Superflex 12 team league Looking to improve defensive tackle this year. I have Derek Brown, Grover Stewart, and Sebastian Joseph Day on the roster. Solid, but not spectacular. My question is this. Milton Williams is on my waivers. Am I better taking Milton off waivers or investing a draft pick in Jalen Carter? And if I take one, who should I drop out of Grover or Sebastian Joseph Day? Thanks, from Kai. So I'm going to start this one off. We talked about this a little bit before the episode. Milton Williams, not the answer. So the follow-up question is, how should you approach improving the defensive tackle position? Jalen Carter obviously is a great option if he's not too expensive, but there is a chance that he's going to be too expensive. So the follow-up there is, who is a little cheaper but could still be a good option to improve your defensive line? And you need to look no further than the next couple guys that were taken at defensive tackle. Now, we're not going to talk about the guys that, or the, the guy that the Cowboys drafted, but Kalijah Cansey, 
got drafted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I know we love Kalijah Kansi. And there's also Brian Brzee, who got drafted to New- to the New Orleans Saints, and they are pretty much devoid of anybody on the interior of the defensive line since the Falcons literally signed every single one of them in free agency. So Brian Brzee could start literally year one. And I, and I expect him to. So, yeah, I think that, you know, this is, I think, exactly the, the thought process we got into, right? Like, if in a vacuum, you take Jalen Carter and you cut Sebastian Joseph Day. Like, if you're just talking who, what what is the best defensive tackle value, um, that that's hands down what you do. It really comes down to what is the opportunity cost to make that decision, though. And so, for me, I'm a big Kalaji Kansi believer. I think you can let Carter go. You can find other value for your roster um, at that spot that's, you know, overall better for your team makeup. And you can get 75 to 80% of the production, if not more, um, from a Cancy uh, and a Brisset much later in the draft at that point. So, I mean, that's, again, overall game theory, uh, as Evan likes to discuss, that's the route I would go. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that's enough to help you make the best decision for your roster, though, Kai. Um, overall here awesome do you want to take this last question yeah and it's it's one way i think we kind of already answered but we don't want to keep you out out in the dark there benjamin because i appreciate you submitting the question so um is nick morrow really the truth at linebacker in philly or is he expected to have a smaller workload or worse is someone looming to take his job so in my opinion right i talked about nick morrow someone who i took in this in this draft and yes we labeled them stinky but we labeled that we took them in this draft because they have some relative value to us this season still. And I think that that value is, again, I think he's, you're looking at a minimum floor of him as someone who is going to be 75% of that snap count, which is a very viable LB in, in, you know, in that deeper range, in that LB 3-4 range probably, maybe closer to the 4. Um, with that said, you know, he has the real possibility of being still even the lead guy, potentially, just based on defensive switching veteran. He's been a play caller before. He's done it, you know, successfully in, in that regard in terms of keeping the defensive players in position set up and the things that do matter to an NFL coach because, and I think Sigmund Bloom has talked about it, right, the, the fallacy of rational coaching. Like, but N'Kobe Dean's this super athletic, fun young guy. He needs to be the one that we run out on the field as much as we can. Well, if Morrow's going to actually have all your defenders set right every time, that could very easily be the guy who's getting 100% of the snaps. So not saying that is the case, but I do think it's a fair chance to say that's in his range of outcomes. You're you're really not worried about Davion Taylor's finally having his breakout season? <laughs> one of the one of the RAS masters right there? Oh, oh. man. Maybe. It's, it's not happening. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Nicholas Morrow, he is going to be a really good value. Hey, props to Benjamin Ziegler for getting his question in literally down to the wire last minute. I like, I'm going to have to refresh the page to see if I didn't miss anybody. Um, nope. All right. We're good. We got all the questions. Jake, we made it. We survived to the end of the episode. All of the tomfoolery, all of the boy bands, all of the stink in Axe body spray. And here we are. We're still alive. One hour later. How are we feeling? I'm feeling gross, but you know what? That's uh, that's what a good shower will do for me in the morning is clean this stink off and get us uh, get us moving on to the next stage of the offseason here. Get us into some real OTAs and training camp news that we can start to really understand who is going to be doing what for these teams 
Um, but before we get there, take your shots on these guys, right? Now's the time to do it. Be ahead of your league mates. Figure it out. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. And we would not be doing any of this fun stuff. Um, we probably would. I, I should have found a better transition, I guess I should say, for that. Because, like, we're degenerates, man. We we would do this already. Uh, but having having a, a project to, to invest into to kind of have be available to the public to show just how much of a degenerate we are really makes it a lot more fun, which is why the IDP Show Draft Kit is such an incredible and beautiful work of art. And I am actually going to call it that because it is, it is so nice. Again, I say this every single time I talk about it, but like best in the industry, I have no doubts about it. I've seen the work that these guys have put in. I've seen the content that's available. The IDPshow.com, if you don't have it yet, give it a shot. You don't five have to have it forever. Yeah, it's like it's a $5 draft kit. And then if you don't like it after the first month, I'm going to miss you. I will cry a little bit, but I will understand. But I just don't think it's going to come to that because you're going to see it and you're going to be like, actually, great. This is the only subscription I need for anything IDP because it's going to be great. And once we get to the season, we're going to have weekly rankings. We're going to have like projections and stuff, I think. Like, dude, that's awesome. I don't need anything else. That's it. We have the ADP for the best ball drafts. We're going to have rookie draft ADP so you know not only where these guys should be taken, but where they're actually being taken. Write-ups for every single team. Like, need I say more? No, but I will. Like, I can keep going. Uh, uh, Addy's ranks, like, holy crap, dude. Addy's ranks are insane. At Like, is he okay? Actually, though, Adam, message me. Are you okay? You are you are spending way too much time making these things like the best, the best in the business. Um, yeah, it's very clearly late for us. I think we should probably call this one uh, before it gets even more off the rails. But man, this draft kit is awesome. Also, please hop in more best ball drafts. I'm getting lonely. I keep doing more and more and more of them, and uh, I need some more people to beat. So if you want me to beat you in best ball, you know where to find me. In my yeah, not- in my thirtieth best ball draft, I, I got I got to plug the best balls, right? So I, I I'm definitely not in as many as Evan, but I, I I do partake in probably far too many of them myself. Uh, from people that I've you know kind of finagled or strong armed into some of the free ones that they offer at times, which is basically all you got to do is sign up for the free newsletter for IDP show, right? And they'll and they'll sponsor guys into these in these uh, best ball drafts. It's I've had so many people tell me like. This is great, man. Like I got exposure to so many names I didn't even really think of or realize. And because and it just it keeps your mind on top of these things and, and relevant to what's happening in the IDP space. So because obviously if you're listening to us, you play IDP in some fashion. And this is yeah, this is just a great way to keep your mind sharp. So maybe you're not doing 30 of them like Evan, but maybe you're doing, you know, one every month or one every other month or something like that, just to to keep you fresh on that stuff. And I and I highly recommend it. And that's first-hand feedback from non-IDP degenerates like ourselves. Yes. I will also say, when you do hop in these drafts, like, we have best ball rankings, we have best ball ADP, set your cues, it's a slow timer, you have no excuses to have your draft look as terrible as best ball 25 did, where 22 retired players were drafted. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm done. I got it out of my system. We can call it an episode now. Uh, If you guys... Want to interact with us on Twitter? If you have more questions for us, you want to know some more of those sneaky names on the list that's like literally right in front of my face. And I could tell you 
but I'm not going to because I have self-control and we're not going to be here for another two hours. Shoot us a message on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at IDPEvan. You can find Jake and his beautiful face on Twitter at Jake Colhagen. That's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Peace out.